thank you, Jordan, for reading today's scripture passage. As we began last year, everyone was talking about 2020 vision, including us. 2020 vision was the title of our sermon series based on Revelation chapters 4 through 11. Our desire was to sit in those chapters and allow the themes of God's self-revelation to inform our perspective. And even though many had predicted the possible global impact of a forthcoming pandemic, none of us knew how radically COVID-19 would alter our lives in 2020. The themes of Revelation, however, provided perspective. What about 2021? How do we gain perspective? J.J. Brazil, a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, covered space shuttle launches at the Kennedy Space Center. Initially, as he watched the space shuttle lurch off the space center pad from the news media viewing area, he was awestruck by the magnificent display of human ingenuity and Newtonian physics. After just a couple of launches, however, he lost that sense of awe. Worse yet, He was bothered. He had to set his alarm at 2 a.m. to get through NASA's security, then wait forever in the wee hours of the morning for launch time. And then sometimes a mission would be abandoned at the last second because of threatening weather or technical difficulties. But then, one day, J.J. was invited to view the space shuttle launch from inside a jolly green giant helicopter hovering at an altitude of 8,000 feet. Inside the jolly green helicopter, he listened as countdown hit zero and then watched below as the shuttle roared off the pad. It seemed to come straight toward him and then arched away from the helicopter into space. It changed his perspective completely. J.J. says he never viewed a space shuttle launch quite the same. Ellen Kay, a genius computer science pioneer, has observed that a proper perspective is worth 50 IQ points. And 50 IQ points is a lot. How do we rise above our circumstances in 2021 and gain perspective? In our passage today, Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, and then 16 to 18, Jesus talks about three spiritual practices that can help us gain perspective if we understand what they're truly about. So let's set the context so that we can hear what Jesus is saying. In Matthew 4, before Jesus sits down to teach, great crowds are following him. He's proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom in every village. He's healing every disease and and affliction. His fame is spreading throughout Galilee, but also in Judea and beyond the borders of Israel. In Matthew 5, Jesus climbs a mountain, probably a hillside northwest of the town of Capernaum, and he sits down. His followers come to him. Here at the beginning of his ministry, as his fame spreads, Jesus talks about the beautiful way, the culture of heaven coming to earth. And he outlines what it truly means to be his follower. He begins by describing the character of his followers. Those who are blessed in his kingdom are the poor in spirit. Those who mourn, the meek. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness the merciful, the pure in heart, 
the peacemakers and those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. The culture of heaven is present among those who are marked by these characteristics. These are the ones on his beautiful way. Francis Collins is an American physician geneticist who discovered the genes associated with a number of diseases and led the Human Genome Project. A genome includes all the genetic material of an organism, the DNA, RNA. His team mapped the human genome. In a recent September address, upon receiving the 2020 Templeton Prize, Colin said that what is most needed in our human DNA in our time are the Beatitudes of Jesus, and he recited them. We have not evolved beyond Jesus. In our day, facing the enormous challenges of our time, Collins argues that we must embrace the beautiful way of Jesus. Jesus says, If you have his kingdom character, you are the salt of the earth. Even a pinch of salt is of great effect. If you are marked by his virtue, you are the light of the world. Even a small lamp can light an entire room. He says, Let your good deeds shine before others so that your Father may be exalted. You can hear his first followers asking, How should our lives shine? Could you give us some examples? Well, first of all, Jesus says, Your righteousness must exceed that of the religious leaders. In fact, I have come to reveal the full depth of meaning, the intent, the direction of the Hebrew Scriptures, our Old Testament. Jesus then provides six daily life examples of what he means. First, in relationship to others, it's not only about not murdering people, it's about not being self-centered. It's about not harboring anger toward others, not holding others in contempt. If you're married, it's not only about not committing the act of physical adultery. It's about not lusting after others. It's about not treating people like objects. It's about seeing the image of God in others. It's not only about not taking oaths. It's about speaking the truth at all times. It's not only about loving your neighbor, it's about loving your enemy and praying for those who persecute you. It's about turning your heart toward God's heart in each relationship. Jesus concludes this section with the sermon's thesis statement. You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's chapter 5, verse 48. Your character, your heart, your mind, your motives, and the way you relate to others is to be like that of the Father. The beautiful way is not about being just good and religious. It's about being like your Father in heaven, having His character, His heart. And this is the main point of this message. Followers of Jesus have the Father's heart. Followers of Jesus have the Father's heart. You can hear Jesus' first disciples asking, how do we become like the Father? How is that even within the realm of possibility, Jesus? Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 serves as a general introduction to Jesus' answer. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. 
For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Jesus says we are to beware of the tendency to practice our spirituality more to be noticed by people than to be noticed by God. Watch out for the tendency to be more attentive to the presence of people around you than God's presence. Theologian D.A. Carson argues that practicing our spirituality for human applause is to prostitute righteousness. So when Jesus talked about being salt and light in the world, he said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. What did he mean? Why does he now say that his followers should not be seen? Is there a contradiction? Well, when he talked about hiding our lamps, he was addressing cowardice, the temptation to hide our identity as followers of Jesus and not bring glory to God. Now in this verse, in chapter 6, he addresses pride-filled, self-focused, self-serving, self-glorifying spirituality. In both passages, the concern is for the Father's glory. A.B. Bruce summed it up well. Show when tempted to hide, hide when tempted to show. Show when tempted to hide, hide when tempted to show. What does Jesus want for his followers? You see, Jesus, he had an intimate relationship with his father. Pastor Jordan talked about this relationship in last week's sermon. Jesus wanted his followers to have this same relationship with God. Father language, it's actually seldom used in the Old Testament. Jesus uses the name Father no less than 17 times in the Sermon on the Mount. This is how Jesus refers to God most frequently. With Jesus, Father refers to one whom his followers know intimately. So Paul can write to followers of Jesus in Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 16 with these, with these words. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Abba Father does not ask for a religious spirit. He wants children who desire his lap, who desire to hang on to his neck, as Tim Keller says, who just want to be with him and be like him. So practice spirituality because you love the Father. Practice spirituality because you love the Father. In our text, Jesus goes on to talk about three pillars of Jewish spirituality, giving to the needy, prayer, and fasting, which, if understood correctly, will nurture our relationship with the Father and provide perspective. They place us before Him so He can make us like Him. They nurture our inner transformation. They take our eyes off of ourselves and direct them to God and to those around us. Chapter 6, verse 2. Thus, when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will 
reward you. In verse 2, the word when assumes that giving to the needy will be a regular part of a follower's life. Nothing was more important in Jewish ethics than charitable giving. But the religious leaders gave to, to blow their own horns. They called attention to themselves. And they believed that charitable giving guaranteed the efficacy of their prayers and their fasting. Jesus calls them hypocrites. In ancient Greece, the hypocrites were actors who used masks to play different roles. They were impersonators. To play a role well on the theater stage was expected and applauded. But on the real stage of life, hypocrisy was despicable. In fact, in the first century, the term hypocrite became widely used for people who just played roles, using the world as their stage. Jesus criticizes the religious leaders for putting on a mask and playing roles at religious gatherings and on the streets, for performing external acts of righteousness that mask their own inner poverty, for presenting themselves as generous for God's glory when they were, in fact, acting for their own honor and benefit. They wanted to be seen. Charles Spurgeon once said, To stand with a penny in one hand and a trumpet in the other is the posture of hypocrisy. In today's world, it would be like taking a selfie while making an online donation and then posting that image on social media. Hashtag blessed to bless others. It's impossible to go completely unnoticed when we give. That's true. But the question is one of motivation. We can draw attention to ourselves unnecessarily in many ways. Uh, Dropping comments about our generosity. uh, Putting our names on things. Individuals, churches, and businesses can promote themselves, actually, by attaching their names to good causes. In our age, so focused on image and self-promotion, all of us are susceptible We can sing and preach and pray and give for the applause of others. We can do all the right things for the wrong reasons. Jesus speaks to motive. Jesus says that those who live for their own praise have received their reward. Literally, they have received full payment. The word was used with the sense of receiving an account that had been paid in full. So here's the tragic irony. We can choose the fleeting reward of public acclaim, which literally lasts for a moment, and if we do, that is all we get. Or we can choose the reward of the Father who sees in secret. So what is that reward? This is a key question in this text. This is a key question that we'll come back to in a minute. In verse 3, Jesus says, Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Not only should you seek to keep others from seeing and praising you, but beware of congratulating yourself. We can so easily fall into self-righteousness. Father-like giving, well, it's marked by quiet self-sacrifice and self-forgetfulness. Giving is for God's eyes only and His glory alone. The Father is our audience. Jesus says, give to the needy, not to be seen and praised, but because you're related to your Father in heaven. 
And he's generous. He gives life, light, food, water, without announcement that it's him. He just gives. And the Father even gives to the unjust. And because he faithfully provides in all seasons, we can give generously out of gratitude to him in all seasons. So be generous because the Father is. Be generous because the Father is. So the question is, are we generous like our Father in heaven? Sometimes we will hear the media proclaim that Canadians are quite generous. What are the facts? Since 1996, Canada's system of donation tax incentives is arguably one of the most generous in the world. The findings of the Fraser Institute indicate, however, charitable giving is going down. Around 19.4% of Canadian tax filers donated to charity in 2018, down from 30% in 1990. According to Statistics Canada, in 2018, Canadians on average gave 0.54% of their total income. Yes, you heard that correctly. About half a percent. The general trend in recent years is that a declining percentage of Canadians are donating to charity and they are donating less as a percentage of income. That's the truth. And that's sobering. What should we do as followers of Jesus? Should we give 10%, 25%, 50%? Jesus' point is not to quantify the amount we should give. His point is that we should give without being self-aware and self-serving because of who our Father is. When it comes to giving, what would it look like for us to reflect the Father's heart in 2021? That's the question. Jesus goes on in verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Prayer was another pillar of spiritual life for Jews. Public prayers were said aloud at set times, three times a day, morning, afternoon, and evening. This was common. Some would pray discreetly, others would make a pretentious display. Jesus does not condemn all public prayer in these verses. He prayed in public, for example, at the feeding of the 5,000, and then again at the 4,000. The early church engaged in corporate prayer. The standing posture is also not the problem. In Scripture, people pray prostrate, kneeling, sitting, standing. His followers are just not to be hypocrites, people who live for an appearance of godliness, who love to appear in public religious gatherings and at the main points of public intersection, like street corners. Again, the central concern of Jesus is motive. In verse 6, Jesus says to his followers, when you pray, he assumes that his followers will pray. When you pray, go into your room. The word room can refer to a small interior room without windows used for storage or some other inner room. Go to your room and close the door. To test our motives, 
we can ask ourselves some questions. When we pray in public, at the restaurant table, in a small group, in the congregation, are our prayers addressed to the Father or to the people in front of us? If we don't like to pray in private, can we say that we have heard the Father's invitation to relationship? The point is this. Focus on the essence of prayer, just being with the Father. Jesus went alone to be with his Father. True prayer, it's a response to that invitation to intimate communion with the Father. It's about nurturing that relationship in the secret place. So sit with the Father when you pray. Sit with the Father when you pray. He is your audience. Now, for some of you, it may be difficult to think of of sitting with the Father in secret because your earthly father was not present, did not protect you, and failed to provide. You can be thankful for the revelation of who your Father in heaven actually is through Jesus and the Scriptures. Your heavenly Father is good, loving, gentle, sovereign, powerful, righteous, just, slow to anger, merciful, your protector and your provider, and much more. You can pray because he sees you and knows you intimately. You are a son of the Father. You are a daughter of the Father. Adore him. Confess your sins. Repent. Lament. Thank. Go to him with your needs. Be real with him. Sit on his lap. Hang on his neck because he is a good, good father. As we sit with the Father, our souls will be refreshed, our hunger satisfied, our thirst quenched. We'll be reminded of our identity in Him. We'll be gifted with perspective. How would Jesus want you to strengthen your prayer times before the Father in 2021? How would Jesus want you to strengthen your prayer times before the Father in 2021? Ask Him. Jesus then addresses a third pillar of Jewish spirituality, fasting. Verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by by others, but by your Father who is in secret." And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Uh, Fasting literally means to go without food or to empty oneself. Jesus assumes that his followers will deny themselves in order to be with the Father. Various kinds of fasting were commonly practiced in the scriptures. There were normal fasts abstaining from food, but not water. For example, Jesus fasted for 40 days before his temptation before Satan. Partial fasts, a partial restriction of the diet during a period of mourning. Daniel, he ate no meat and drank no wine for three weeks. There were absolute fasts, no food and no water for a very short period of time. For example, Esther fasted in this way during a national crisis. Paul also fasted in this way after seeing Jesus. There were corporate fasts. The law of Moses required one fast per year on the Day of Atonement. In both Old and New Testaments, 
Individuals and groups are encouraged to fast in order to humble themselves before God. (laughs) Repent for sin. Lay special requests before God. Or seek God's guidance in prayer. There are many examples. In verse 16, Jesus says to his followers, When you fast, do not look gloomy, as if the world has ended for you, as if your father has just abandoned you. You know, people would leave their faces unwashed, sprinkled with ashes, their hair and beards unattended, in order to communicate to others that they were fasting. Here in this passage with the play on words, Jesus says that the the hypocrites make themselves unrecognizable in order to be recognized. They neglect their appearance in order to appear. They humble themselves in order to lift themselves up. So, instead, if you are truly my followers, anoint your heads, wash your faces. These were acts practiced in preparation for eating. They signaled a preparation to enjoy life. Jesus is saying, celebrate life while fasting because your Father is good, gracious, generous, and present. Fast to attune your heart to the Father's. Fast to attune your heart to the Father's. True fasting is about self-emptying, turning from self to see God and see others. For me, the epitome of spiritual hypocrisy was the testimony of a Hollywood actor who said he preferred a certain religion because it was something he could manage. He could meditate and take out of his spirituality what he invested in it. It served him well. According to Jesus, that would be the exact opposite of the beautiful way. And I must confess that at times I have prayed and fasted with selfish motives to get what I want and desire, more than to align my heart with the Father's. The way of Jesus is not about aligning the spiritual realm with our desires and wants. It is about us aligning our hearts with the Father and His desires. We can fast from food, social media, sports, Netflix, video gaming, anything that consumes us and prevents us from having the Father's heart. We can extract ourselves from normal rhythms to gain the Father's perspective. What kind of fast, food, social media, Netflix, sports, video gaming, would Jesus be inviting you to take to attune your heart to the Father's in 2021. If you need inspiration, watch C.J. Limvalence's YouTube video, Why I Left Social Media, How Being Gone for Over 200 Days Changed Everything. Listen to what God did in her life. The religious leaders of Jesus' day were doing the right things, but for the wrong reasons. They were not living for the ultimate reward of the Father, Their motivation was a toxic mix of self-idolization and the external acclaim of others. Their service to God degenerated into self-service, and they received their payment in full with a receipt, public acclaim, and self-righteousness. That was their entire reward. That reward is empty and fleeting. Three times Jesus says, Give, pray, and fast. In secret, 
and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So how does the father want to reward us? C.S. Lewis writes, the proper rewards are not simply tacked onto the activity for which they are given, like a medal or a financial gift, but are the activity itself in consummation? What would be the ultimate reward received through giving, praying, and fasting in the secret place? Well, it's, it's intimacy with the Father. Over and over again, Jesus goes to be alone with the Father in desolate places, and those conversations provide renewed perspective. Jesus wants the relationship he has with his Father for his followers. So live for the reward of knowing the Father and becoming like him in 2021. Live for the reward of knowing the Father and becoming like him. That's the ultimate reward. The deep joy of authentic relationship with the Father and of hearing his true voice of genuine love and acceptance. The deep joy of being genuinely transformed into his likeness and the knowledge that someday you will be like him perfectly. You do not live for an enormous mansion in the sky. That would be missing it completely. No, you live just to have a room in the Father's house. To just be with him in his family forever. The practices of giving, prayer, and fasting place us in the Father's presence. We pray because the Father invites us to sit with him. We fast to turn from ourselves to God and others. We are generous toward others because the Father is. We give, pray, and fast so that we might see God and others more clearly. God uses these disciplines to lift us above our circumstances and provide perspective. Not so much so that we will foresee what is coming, but that we might have the Father's heart when things happen. Not so much that we will foresee what is coming, but that we might have the Father's heart when things happen. Let's pray. So, Father, we worship you and we praise you and we thank you. You are good and loving and perfect and holy and just and righteous and sovereign and powerful and reigning over all things and accomplishing your purposes in our day. Father, forgive us for our hypocrisy, for our self-righteousness, for the ways that we draw attention to ourselves. Forgive us for our self-centeredness, our, our selfishness. Lord, we humble ourselves before you, and we ask that you, by your Holy Spirit, would do a new work in us. In 2021, as we pray and fast and give, may we sit with you, Father, May we receive your heart. May you transform us into your likeness. May we see you in a new way, and may we see those around us more clearly. May we see those around us, Father, with your heart for them. We pray in this moment as well for the city of London, and we pray for the people of the United Kingdom, where many are now in lockdown. We pray for the healing of those who are sick. We pray for the containment of the coronavirus. We pray for wisdom for government leaders. We pray that the people 
of the UK would turn their hearts to you. We pray that the church would be strong and present and graced with wisdom to know how to reach out to those around them, how to be your hands and feet in this moment for your glory. And what we pray for them, Lord, we pray for ourselves. Lord, as the church in Canada, may we reflect your glory. We pray for the protection of health workers in our country. We pray for the containment of the coronavirus. We pray that as your church in this day, we would be your hands and feet and that your name would be lifted high. God, give us your heart this year for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So God bless you. I'm going to leave some questions for you for your reflection.